Hey folks, it's Jeff here. Just wanted to say a big hello to all of you who are part of our online podcast community. You need to know that though we may not see you on Sundays, you are such a valuable and cherished part of our community, as much as any in-person community. I'm, I'm guessing that you're tuning in because you're finding value in what we're doing in our weekly Sunday messages and Maybe you're cultivating a spirituality that you're finding is inspiring you and equipping you to take water to your world. That right there would be exactly what we're hoping is happening for you. Look, over the past month, we've been asking our in-person community to consider making a one-time donation before the end of the year. The truth is our projected general donations were lower than expected this year. We've kept our expectations expenses below budget, but we're forecasting a shortfall by the end of the year. So we're hoping right now to be able to raise enough money before year end to erase the loss. And I'm wondering if you would consider helping us as well. Honestly, any amount would be greatly appreciated. All you'd have to do is go to friendschurch.ca forward slash donate and give to our general fund. That would be so appreciated. You know, I've noticed as some people have gone and done this, they've been signing up as well for pre-authorized giving, which is just an automated form of donating, usually on a monthly basis. Rather than just giving a one-time amount, they kind of commit over a longer term. This is huge for us as a community just because it helps us more accurately predict our income for the coming year as we set our budgets. Yeah, we're in budget season right now. And we don't want to have to keep coming back year after year at the end of the year to clean this up. So that's why I'm reaching out. Whether you can give a one-time or you can sign up monthly, maybe you're listening to this and you can't afford to do anything right now. I just want you to know that we care about you. We're thrilled that the Ministry of Friends Church is helping you in some way. Maybe it's helping loved ones of yours too. I don't know. But regardless of whether you can support us financially right now or not, you just need to know we're grateful. We're grateful for you. So, hey, enjoy today's message. Good morning. I'm Jeff, and uh, great, great to have you here this morning. You know, in a perfect world, it'd be great if heading into Christmas week, everyone here would be looking ahead at the activities and events that we're going to engage in and, and just have nothing but blissful thoughts and excitement and everything's going to roll well. And maybe, maybe that is your story this morning. Maybe, maybe Christmas is always literally the happiest time of the year for you. In our experience, for many, it isn't. For many, it is, it is uh, stressful. It's, um, it's difficult. There's blood pressure starting to rise at this point, as we enter that week, for many, thinking about how it's going to go as different parts of the family come together, or friends, or functions. And uh, that's kind of been the focus of this two-part series, is just looking at how we can manage this so that love actually somehow surfaces in the middle of all of it. You know, that would be our hope and prayer. Today, um, yeah, I want to kind of extend part two into that strategy, how we can set ourselves up. What can, 
we possibly do that could make next week something really memorable, meaningful, as opposed to something else. Um, a number of years ago, and actually it's, it's been quite a number of years um, now, I had a bit of a, what I would call a Christmas crisis, personally, where I, I just found myself in the middle of Christmas as we had been doing it. And I just didn't want to do it like that anymore. I, it would leave me twisted up. And, uh, you know, looking back, I, I remember at the time that I had the crisis, I was trying to unpack it for my wife because it was, it was kind of on the tail end of a Christmas and then, and then it resurfaced again heading into the Christmas. I'm just like, I don't want to do it. Like, we've been doing it. I had kind of had my fill. And she was like going, well, what exactly yeah, have you, do we need to do differently? It's tricky for me to talk about this because it, it's like people listen, people watch. And sometimes what I would say might be heard by family that I'm not expecting. So I gotta, I'm going to be careful how I kind of wade into this. But it's like, especially when you get married, it's, it's, there's two worlds kind of merging, hey, around the Christmas season. So sometimes you have in-laws and their way of doing things. And then my family tradition, what we were used to doing, when, when Kathy and I got married and, of course, have young kids, the family just kind of came to us for the most part. So Christmas Eve, we'd do the Christmas Eve service, and then we'd go back to our place. And normally, in my tradition, Christmas Eve was quiet. Like, we would come home, and it would just be the immediate family, and my siblings, my, my parents, my mom, and... It'd be just low-key. We'd open one present, you know, maybe watch a movie, play some games, and then big shebang was the next day. But for the Ukrainians, it's party time Christmas Eve. How many are familiar with that? Like, the food is showing up. All the gifts are coming in. We're, it's lights, camera, action. And I'm, I'm like walking into the house going, holy crap, this is like full-blown circus mode, you know? It's family everywhere, and well, here we go, folks. Let's do this. But after, you know, you'd, you'd do that. We'd get to bed late. The kids would get into bed. You know, you know you're just dreading the next morning because they're getting into bed at midnight, one. They're just young at the time, just like going, oh, shoot me now. Those kids are going to be devils in the morning and sure enough and when we're cleaning up and we're doing turkey and trying to get ready and all of a sudden the family starts pouring in it's like hey it's so great to see you (laughs) I know I'm I'm a jerk for thinking this way but man it's like I get to that point where halfway into the afternoon and we're just trying to get the everything all set and more people are coming in and it's just mess everywhere and I can feel my and then at some point I know I'm in that bad place where I'm noticing people chew their food you know <laughs> just like think happy thoughts and you, over time I began to notice certain family members always needing to take the conversation in this direction. 
always fixating on some part. Someone's always so negative over there and just pointing out every little... Someone's got to point out you know, how they make that dish a little different and a little better, you know, that someone's brought. I'm just like, frick. It's not just in-laws, it's just family in general. But at some point, I, I just find myself wanting everyone to go away. And things that I'm saying, I, I am getting shorter Rudeness is starting to surface. I'm just irritated. Am I the only one that gets into these moments? Please, just shake your hand. Okay, good. There, no, no fear. One year I was in that state, and I just and I go and pull the turkey out of the oven. The year is I'm in charge, and it's not fully cooked. Just, just shoot me right now. I was already done before, the, and I pull it out and. Kathy's like, what happened? I don't know. (laughs) Throw it back in the oven, this and that. Oh, maybe we can microwave. I mean, it was just one of those nasty scenarios. (laughs) And I'm like, if anyone comments, so help me. Like, I, and someone, and totally, uh, you know, they're just being fun, but they crack a salmonella kind of, comment or a little worried and I just went cold I was like if they like I am just like a volcano about to erupt you know what I'm talking about just these moments where just people's little unaware moments sometimes they're they're just not aware of all that's going on and sometimes things get said and done. It's just like paper cut, paper cut, paper cut. Lately, we've been talking about, uh, see, last week Vince talked about triggers. These triggers, these, these almost automatic responses we can have kind of cooked right inside of us that come out when people say or do certain things. And that the triggers come from some part of our childhood wound. We don't know where they necessarily exactly came from, but they're there. And so someone says something and it's just like a nerve, nerve pain. It's like, hello, something coming right back at you. Lately, I've been wrestling with this question. So where is the line between being legitimately triggered by someone's intentional, offensive behavior, insensitive, rude, selfish, self-centered, narcissistic, whatever. Where's the line between having a legitimate wound that comes up and it's like, okay, we got to talk. Where's the line between that and just having to look at someone who is unaware, happy go and unintentionally doing things that are annoying and frustrating, that we need to somehow move along from and go, that's just people. And I need to buck up a bit. Where is that line? Because sometimes... 
as I look back, I can't help but think that some of my reaction was maybe a little bit oversensitive, a little overreactive. Like maybe it wasn't necessarily their fault. I had a problem that I needed to address. You know what I'm talking about here? Like sometimes you got legitimate and then there's maybe stuff you're just going, hey, cowboy up, pal. This family. Where is that line? And what do you do with that in the middle of these seasons? Should these friends and family members be held responsible every time they irritate or annoy us? Should we have to speak up and say, can you close your mouth? I mean, if they can't figure it out, if they can't stop necessarily doing some of these just natural quirky habits that they engage in, is our answer, I need to do less of you? I need to uninvite you? I can't be around you because it does something to me? Because I talk to people all the time that are just saying, man, we're having a quiet Christmas this year, and this is because... That's what happens. So I go, huh, okay. That's one strategy. You know, I think the Jews of the early Christian church had a similar thing going on. There's there's this underlying narrative of the biblical story, literally from the time, you know, the time Jesus shows up on the scene. There's, There's a situation brewing. We don't... If you're just reading scripture, you can, you can see it, but it's, 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 it's subtle. But it was a big deal. Because at the time, Judeo-Christian, so, you know, like Jesus shows up, all of a sudden these, these Jews are all of a sudden hearing the message of Jesus, and they're going, wow, this is pretty, this guy is turned on. This guy is talking about stuff that really makes sense. All of a sudden, all these people that were part of this Jewish tradition are, are kind of gathering around Jesus and his teachings, and are kind of starting to form this, this early, what they call the early church movement. It was a big group of Jewish people who were digging Jesus and what he was about. And at that point, when it was just like Jewish people, it's pretty cool because everyone kind of knows the gig. They're all a part of, say, one family, right? We know what time we have dinner on Christmas Eve. We know the songs we're going to sing. Hey, we know the food we're allowed to eat. Everyone kind of knows the deal. Everyone shows up. And expectations roll because everyone knows the drill. But partway into this thing, when all the Jews are sitting around having a great time, other people start showing up. What they call the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. These people don't know the rules. They're coming in with ham. You know, I don't know what they're bringing, but they, they just weren't privy to the, the Jewish way. And they're, they're like, hey, what's going on? Oh, geez, what time do we start? I didn't even know that. They're, they're just excited about this guy named Jesus and, and this movement. They're going, hey, this is great. Meanwhile, the Jews are kind of going, did you invite him? No, I didn't. There's a bunch of them. Huh. What are they doing here? Buddy here is leading the way. He apparently said it's okay. 
And all of a sudden, these Gentiles start moving in, and they're a happy bunch. I can see them being a bit of a rowdy bunch. And the Jews are kind of like, hey, we got rules to follow here. And they're like going, well, we don't know the rules. Hey, you know, whatever. And this starts creating a major problem where the, the Jewish community is kind of saying, look it, you either get them up to speed on what we do and what we eat, what we don't eat, circumcision thing, that's another thing. We, 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 got, we got rules here and we've all kind of taken the hit. Let's get them initiated. Let's get them up to speed and then we can all do this. We can move on. But the religious, I shouldn't say the the leaders of the early church, they had a different message. They were going, no, 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 come on in. People are going, what? You're okay with that. What are you going to ask them to do? This was, this, this was irritation. This was annoyance. There was chafing going on. People are walking out of those meetings going, okay, look it. We got we to gotta even do our own thing over here. We got to uninvite them. We know there were conflicts. We know that people were unwilling to put up with their offensive, unspiritual, irritating behavior. People wanted these unspiritual, dirty Gentiles get on the boat or get out. But the spiritual leaders kept on insisting. They pushed back. They said, no, it's not their responsibility to change everything they're doing. They have their own practices. They have their own traditions. They have their own culture that they've coming out, they're coming out of. So the question was, well, what do they need to do? So they, they came up with kind of four, four big kind of container rules. And they said, here's what we're going to ask them to do. Beyond that, they're going to be their own people. And you talk about two families, hey? Kind of blended family coming together, trying to figure that out. Man, you had irritation. Message coming back to the Jewish community was you need to quit being so sensitive. You need to let them be. Buck up, cowboy. Put a smile on your face. You're okay. In other words, it's not always their problem that you're bothered by them. Perhaps it's your problem. You know what's really fascinating is when you start digging into the Christmas nativity scenes, there are some scholars who think that this is exactly why the story of the three wise men was included in Matthew's gospel. It's the only gospel that tells the story of these three wise men. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men, the Magi from the east, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now on the surface, in 2023, if you don't know much of the culture back then, you can look at this and go, oh, that's neat. A little bit of tid, you know, a little tidbit of useless information there. Some wise men showed up, huh, neat. However, if you were living back in that day, if you were a part of the Jewish community who was listening or reading this story, hearing this story told, this little tidbit of information, the three wise men arrived from the east following a star, that would have been very provocative. 
And these magi, they were not Jewish people. They were from the East. They were likely Arabian, Persian, but they were foreigners. They were non-Jewish foreigners showing up to the sacred party, literally the birthplace of the king of the Jews, the Jesus. Like foreigners showing up, being told, being led there, saying they want to come and worship him. That term magi refers to the Persian priestly caste of Zoroastrianism. It's, it's an Iranian religion. This is not Judaism. As a part of this religion, priests developed an international reputation for astrology, their ability to read the stars. Huh. Astrology? Now, if you've grown up in church, man, we were always warned, uh-uh-uh-uh, astrology, that's the dark arts, right? People are tapping into some kind of evil powers there to divine the future, divine different things. Don't, this story would have been the equivalent of like saying some witches showed up at the birth of baby Jesus. Like it was like wise men from the east. Hello? Some scholars believe that Matthew is making a very intentional point using this little detail in the story. I think, I, I, like, I, I like what they're thinking. They said, perhaps, perhaps what Matthew was trying to do here was saying, these are different people, different than you. They come from a completely different place. And they're a valued part of what's happening here. They have a valid voice. They look different, they act different, they even believe different than you. But they are sacred. And they're tied into something deeper and wider that brings us together. So make room for them. Include them. Don't be so sensitive, invite them in. Even into the sacred places of your lives, they can belong. And yeah, it might not be easy. They might do things and believe things and act in different ways that you don't understand. But they're not second-class citizens. Don't treat them that way. You know, sometimes especially over the last number of years, I've wondered if I haven't grown a little too sensitive to people's different ways of being. You know what's the saddest part is sometimes my intolerance is greatest with those I love the most. Like I can put up with a lot of that stranger that's in the supermarket. I never, I I can be as kind. Hey, come on in, yeah, no, go for it. But man, I get home and extended family are all coming around, why is it that, man, some people can just, just like a little jab, and I'm like, here we go, here we go. And I've begun to wonder if somehow this insensitivity, this unwillingness to be in awkward moments or to listen to people talk about things that I'm not interested in 
to hear people take the conversation into a place that I'm going, oh man. Or when the Junior World Hockey Tournament is on TV and someone's saying, TV's off. I'm like, why? Why am I allowing those little things to derail my joy so easily? Have you ever noticed that maybe in your own life? I can't help but wonder if I could lower my intolerance, my annoyance, irritation levels, bring them down to the point where, man, I could cruise. I could watch some of the stuff going on and be unflapped by it. Oh, how much different my Christmas would feel. There's a practice that I want to quickly bring up as I'm, that I think might be instructive and might be helpful for you. In fact, over the last couple of years, it has really been a game changer for me as I've been working on this very thing. It's actually a Buddhist practice. It's called the spiritual path of non-resistance. And if you've been around here for very long, you've heard me talk about it before. I've been dabbling with this thing and I realize now the power of it. It's a shift that can take place internally, allowing you to experience incredible levels of peace and tranquility, despite what may be happening on the surface, on the external, all around you. It's a crazy thing. But to experience it, you need to understand what we mean by resistance. This is non-resistance. Resistance really is, is that energy that builds when something bothers you. Somebody says something critical or insensitive, maybe to you or someone else, and you just notice it, and you just feel something, you feel irked. You know that feeling? It could happen for the students here. It could happen when you get a bad mark on an exam. You know that, that ugly feeling? You see that mark and you go, oh, what the? Something inside you is twisted. Flames give up a three-goal lead in the third period. Oh, my God. And it's just like, oh, oh, I was feeling so good just 15 minutes ago. Someone who's sick, rolls into work. And all of a sudden you feel yourself, the itch in the back of your throat, you're starting to sniffle, you're just like, freaking. Someone will snap their gum or sniffle without blowing their nose, you know? You know that, and it's just like, (laughs) I'm revealing all my dark nature today. (laughs) Situations you just don't like but in most cases you have very little control over them. The fact that they happened or they're happening right in front of you. You can't do anything about it, but it's twisting. And you're powerless to change necessarily what's going on. But you try. And the way we try is by getting upset. Get angry, frustrated. Kathy walks in the room, what's the matter? Kids spilled a bunch of stuff on the carpet well it's like it's happened and now I'm upset I want to hold on to the fact that I'm upset about it that's the resistance it's energy negative energy that we just bottle up 
And somehow in the getting upset, the anger, maybe the ranting on social media, the, you know, just the vulgarity flying out of our mouth. There's, there's, it's some process that we're just trying, we're, we're, we want to hang on to that thing. We want to nurse, we want to get angry. We say, this is not right. That's really what our emotions are saying. This is not right. This shouldn't be done this way. This shouldn't go down the way it's going right now. I should be able to sit in that living room and watch the Junior Worlds. This is Christmas. That's what that's about. <laughs> but it's not. This is resisting. Michael Singer in his book, The Untethered Soul, says this kind of protest behavior is actually just our attempt to assert our will in opposition to the flow of life. We're, stop, we're trying to say, life, don't go this way. It's all we're trying to do. But he says, it's a wasted behavior because you can't control it. You can't stop it from happening. I got news for you. Next week, chances are, if you're going to be interacting with a bunch of different people, life is going to go the way it goes. And it may not be according to your expectations. And Michael Singer would say, there is going to be a temptation within you to resist whichever way that goes that you weren't planning on it. And he says, you'd be wise. Don't bother the protest. Now this is ninja. This is ninja level awareness where you just go, I do not like what is going on right now, but I can't change it. (laughs) And, you know, again, I'm talking about those unaware behaviors that aren't being done maliciously, abusively. Hey, that's a whole other category. But for the most part, most of the traffic that will happen over Christmas will be unintentional people being quirky, weird, different, whatever. And for that stuff, Michael Singer would say, how are you at being able to go, let it go, let it go? How easily can you just say, that is not my hill today that I'm dying on. Move on. He says, this resistance, this holding on is such a huge waste of energy. Whether you're resisting the discomfort or pain of what's gone on, what's happened, or you see something that's heading in a certain direction. You go, oh, we've been here before. They're going to end up staying two more days. What if, what if, what if? All of that is resistance. Chill. Breathe. How you deal with your energy flow when you understand you have control over your energy. You can flesh it, that negative stuff that moves in, that voice in your ear that says, did you hear what that person just said? Oh, they're doing it again. Oh man, I knew it. I could have predicted. That voice that just starts churning. All of a sudden, it's like rev, rev, rev. The energy starts building. Now the ninjas out there, the emotional ninjas, can feel it and they just start breathing. Hmm. Let's change the the topic. Let's change the subject. I'm not even going to entertain that voice. I'm going to focus over here. And they can feel that energy starting to dissipate. This really... 
This message is about that very little thing. The ability to realize when the energy is building and to let it go. I wonder if we were all ready to throw on our brown belt for emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and walk into next week regardless of who shows up and what all goes down. And we were able to just monitor our energy level, monitor the resistance. How crazy, how much better the collective Christmas experience would look. I tell you, over this last little while, as I'm thinking through the different events that I'm going to be at over the next number of days, this is exactly what I've been just walking through, going, hey, hey, what is it? Let her go. This, yeah, you're going to, when you see that person, yeah, you're going to, oh, yeah, you're going to be smiling. Oh, you're going you're gonna to enjoy that topic this year, Jeff. You're going to get into it. You're going you're gonna to chase down that rabbit. You're going to go with that person who wants to talk about all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, let's go. And you're going to be curious. And you're going to change your experience this year. doesn't mean you have to respond to, you, or you can't respond to things that are offside. It doesn't mean that you don't have to draw boundaries. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you just get ran over. But it's all about the negative energy flow and letting that thing let out, just letting the pressure out. I was talking with a, a woman a little while back. She had a family situation go down she had asked someone to do some stuff family member was unwilling and it it revved her up the negative energy was there as we talked through it i said oh so christmas is coming you're gonna see her she goes yeah i said have you talked to her since nope i said do you want to even just maybe make a phone call preemptively before you actually see her at the event or whatever? She says, I don't know if I'm ready. And instantly I thought to myself, it is a choice if you want to hold on to that negative energy. It's like, I'm not ready to let go of this thing. And that, that there, I, I, again... This might not be your story. You might not be twisted up. You might be rolling in with the perfect blissful Christmas. And I pray that's your case. And to which I would salute you and congratulate you. But for anyone here that right now is just the dark clouds are kind of moving in as you anticipate what's ahead, I'm going to encourage you. Do not allow that energy to stick and just keep accumulating. No, let it go. Let it go. Don't rehearse. Don't rehearse the past. Don't start kind of getting your head and anticipating what could possibly go wrong, the catastrophizing. Don't, that voice, that egoic voice internally will get you so spun up, wound up. Let, breathe, move past it. You can do this. This spiritual art of practicing non-resistance it has given people the ability to move effortlessly through even the most atrocious scenarios.
I would hope that perhaps this coming week, all of us would take a little step in that direction. And that the quirky in-laws, the different friends, family, people that you're going to be getting around, man, they have zero power over your joy. And you can actually be in a place where you're so present, so available, so able to, to give, to love. The capacity just flows. Oh, that's what I want. I want my, these precious moments that I got. This, that actually, I'm calling them precious moments versus the dreaded moments. They're going to be precious moments that I am going to infuse life into the people that I love where they're not walking on eggshells around me. No. No, the stories are going to, and, and the ex- individual unique expressions of different people are going to be allowed and honored. People are going to talk about their different stuff, and, and I am going to be so present and available to enjoy every little thing that they're enjoying too. It's not forever. Jarvis quit being so oversensitive. Buck up. Make Christmas a great moment. Through non-resistance, I can do that. I'm going to invite the band to come up. The band to come up. Let me ask you something. Would you be willing, ahead of time, to start kind of rehearsing how that could feel, how that could look? Can you start paying attention to the negative energy that gets stuck every now and then? The little attitude that you just want to nurse. Can you just, can you just practice noticing it? going, oh, there it is. Why don't we start there? And perhaps between now and whenever family or friends or whoever are coming together, maybe you can practice just fleshing it so that you're ready. I really do believe that Christmas can be one of the most magical spiritual experiences of our year. It is one of the greatest merging of different people family, culture, tradition. And man, if anyone should be ready and postured to make a difference, I think it's the spiritual followers of Christ. Man, I tell you, that's love, huh?